This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we get ready for this evening's championship game between the uh, Yukon Huskies and the uh, surprising San Diego State team that has played uh, so well defensively throughout the tournament. You have a five seed and a four seed in the championship game, but let's be realistic. Yukon was a team that was the best team in the country as the new year started, hit a slump in the Big East, did not win the Big East championship at the Garden, lost to Marquette, and then has been dominant, has played like a one and a good one, as a matter of fact, in this tournament. They have won all of their games going away. They have not been in a tight game in the final five minutes of any game. They have won every game at least by double digits, the smallest margin being the uh, game against Miami. But again, uh, it was a game that was uh, long over. Even 30, 13 points was the final score. But let's be realistic. Uh, the last five minutes were a formality. They got it to eight at one point with almost 11 and a half on the clock. One time they got it to eight, and then it was ratcheted right back up by UConn, and they were comfortable the rest of the way. Um, this team is extremely deep, extremely talented. But like any team in this tournament, and like their record indicates, they are beatable. They've been beat this year. They were beat on a fairly decent basis in the Big East regular season. They had a slump. They got beat by St. John's. They got beat twice by Marquette. They got beat by Seton Hall. They got beat by Creighton. We go down the line. But... Against the rest of the country, they have been dominant. When they've gotten out of the Big East, they've been dominant. And they have been that in this tournament. And they deserve to be the favorite they are now, which is a sizable favorite in the championship game. They are an eight point, seven and a half or eight, depending where you go shopping. At, uh, Bet Rivers, it is right now seven and a half points. Uh, it's, it's fluctuated between seven and a half and eight over the last two days. Um, that's a big line for a championship game. Georgetown was an eight-point favorite against Villanova. And the reason why it's not double digits is because San Diego State keeps the scores down. And the team that plays at the slower pace usually can control the game. And that's one of the things San Diego State has to do today. I actually believe this is a dangerous matchup for UConn. If you're going to beat UConn, in this championship uh, round, if you're going to pull the big upset tonight, and it would be a big upset, let's be honest. Connecticut is a deserving favorite. They've had the best player in the tournament. Sonago, he's been the best player in the entire tournament. 
He's been consistent. He's been very good. They have a lot of three-point shooters led by Hawkins. They have a lot of different players. They have a lot of size. And they're a very good defensive team. There are two things you're going to do if you're going to beat them. You're going to keep them under a certain percentage from three. They have shot the ball from three incredibly effectively. And the Miami game is misleading because when they broke the game open, they still shot it well from three. Late in the game, they didn't, and the number came down to 34% for the game, the worst they've shot in the tournament. But the bottom line is it's a little misleading. They still were effective with the three when they broke the game open. And they have done that. They have broken these games open. Iona, they were down at half and then exploded on an overmatched Iona team. But the St. Mary's game, it was close until 41-40. Then they went off on their run and put the game away. Uh, Any game you talk about, the Gonzaga game, they were up four late in the first. They hit a three at the as they were running in for the intermission, which has become their trademark, they have done that on numerous occasions in this tournament, got that three on the last possession and and run off with momentum into the locker room. They got it to seven at the half and then went on a 22-2 run to put Gonzaga away in their most impressive performance so far. If you're going to beat them, you're going to control them from three, at least at a reasonable number, And number two, you're going to turn them over. They are vulnerable to be turned over. In the games they've gotten beat, their number gets up in the turnovers. Miami could turn them over. They don't have a classic point guard. Jackson is their facilitator, and they have other guys who can do it for a short period of time, but they don't have the classic point guard. They are vulnerable to the turnover and the transition bucket off that turnover. And San Diego State is a terrific defensive team. The question for San Diego State is, can they score? Can they get on the offensive glass against a UConn team that has size and is a very good defensive team? Can they get any reasonable scoring in the half court? And they want to keep this game down low. If they're going to win this game, the Florida Atlantic game was a little quicker than San Diego State wanted. They would like this game high 50s. That's probably a pipe dream. If they can keep this game under 65, they are where they want to be pace-wise. Upsets happen in the 60s. They don't happen in the 80s. UConn can play in, in the 60s. UConn can play in the 80s. San Diego State can't play in the 80s. They have no intention of playing in the 80s. And the way they want to play this game, and they are superbly coached by Dutcher. He is a superb coach. What they are going to do, as, and this is the thing you would tell them if you were coaching them right now or anybody who was coaching them right now would tell them this. UConn has not played a tight game in this tournament. You guys have lived in the tight game all year. You guys have come from behind. You've won games in the final seconds. You've done everything the way the the game against Florida Atlantic, the game against Creighton go down the line, even the game against Charleston in the first round, which was 52 up with like four minutes left or three minutes left. They have executed and they have taken over the games in the last five minutes. They've been the stronger team physically on the floor and the better team on the floor in the final minutes of every game they've been in. 
but they have got to stay away from the knockout punch. They're in with a team that wants to throw the haymaker. The team that wants to jump on you out of the gate and put up a 10-point lead or jump on you midway through the first half. UConn is looking to deck you and take the 15-point lead. That's what they've been able to do to almost every opponent in this tournament. Boom. And next thing you know, you're down 15. Get a turnover, get a three. Get a stop, get a three. Get the ball inside to the big man, get an offensive rebound, kick it back out, get a three. That's what they have done, and they have done it to every team in this tournament. You blink, and the game is 15. UConn is going to try and do that tonight. That is what San Diego State has got to stay away from. Play this game in five-minute increments, increments and stay in this game. And with every passing five minutes that San Diego State is there with them, inside five points with them, they are where they want to be to spring the upset. They want to be within three points of UConn with five minutes on the clock. If they do that, they can beat them, and they know they can beat them. The last five minutes can be theirs. They have to stay in the game. Now, this San Diego State team, if you've watched them, is a tremendous defensive team. They have size. They have depth. They are not a big-time scoring team. They need, they really, you know, they have Bradley to be their, you know, main scorer, if you want to call him that, okay, on a team that really doesn't have what you would call a main scorer. But he is the guy, but he wasn't on the floor for the final shot, and Butler knocks down the final shot. Parrish can make a three. He made a couple of big ones that were very important for them in the second half of that game. And they have gotten good inside play from Mensa, from Arop, from Ledee, who's very big and strong on the boards. This team can match up physically with UConn. They have done a good job in the games they've won. Remember, this team... This San Diego State team was down nine to Alabama with 11 minutes left. Alabama had just about, Alabama came out after a bad first half. They're down six. Now they're up nine. Dutcher calls a timeout and tells his team, you, you, you're about to get knocked out. You got to get your feet back and you got to get yourself back in this game. They came out of that timeout and they got a 12 0 run. This team is resilient, this team is physically tough. This team's not going to back down. They might get beat. And UConn's the better team. But this team is not going to back down. There are two things that UConn has got to happen if you're going to beat them. Well, really three. Number one, they got to get the score on the 65 points. Number two, they have to win the turnover battle, which they should, but they need to win it by more than one or two. And number three, they've got to do a good job Now, they did a sensational job shutting down the three on certain teams, including Creighton, which is a big-time three-point team. And they really shut – if you look at what they did against Creighton and against Alabama, 
Their numbers are staggering in what they did. They held Alabama to three for 29 from three. They held Creighton to 11% from three. That's how you win. That's how you win games. They beat Creighton, and that was a tough game. And, and Colquhanna inside the big man hurt them. Sonogo can hurt them, but they have to play him man-to-man tonight. You're not going to double on the big man down low and then give them kickouts for threes or easy baskets. You're going to play him straight up. If he scores, let him score some points. That's okay. They can live, they can live with Sonogo scoring 13, I mean scoring 18 to 20 points. They can live with that. They can't live with those back-breaking threes. Their numbers against Creighton were, they held Creighton to two for 17 from three. That's 11%. I mean, that is staggering when you think about it. And what they did against Alabama, holding Alabama to 64 points, was unbelievable. They held Alabama to three for 27, 11%. If you've got shoots 11% from three tonight, San Diego State's a champion. UConn has shot 10 of 22, 10 of 22, 9 of 20, 11 for 30, 9 for 26. They've made a bunch of threes in every game, and then percentages have been good most games. They've been in the high 40s, right down in the 40s for most games. They shot 34% last game, which was their low against Miami. They turned the ball over too much against Miami, but they were overwhelming against Miami defensively. Miami couldn't score. San Diego State has got to get up on the glass, and they got to get some easy baskets on turnovers. They got to, get a, they got to know when they can go quick in the clock and then take the entire clock. That's the way for them to play offense. Go quick for an easy basket, or take the entire shot clock and use the clock to your advantage and then get up on the glass. This is an interesting matchup. This is a better matchup for an upset than Miami was. Because they have better options inside than Miami did. Miami couldn't match up against UConn. They had a lot of trouble with UConn's length. They had a lot of trouble with their size. Because Miami does not beat you with the three. They beat you by driving the ball to the basket and one-on-one play by their guards, and they couldn't do that in this game. And UConn got up on the glass And UConn, they had 14 turnovers, which is too many for them. But they made threes. They got to the foul line enough. They didn't make their free throws in that game, but it didn't matter. And they got a good game, 21 points and 10 rebounds from Sinago, who's been very, very good in this tournament. Play him straight up. They have people to play him straight up with and then get out and defend the three for your life. Overplay the three, make them drive. UConn wants to shoot the three, and they will shoot it long. Newton, Hawkins, Caravan, Calcateria, okay, 
they will all vomit from three. They will take long threes. They will take really long threes. They will take bad threes. Get in their grill and make them play, shoot those threes under pressure. Make them take the ball inside. Make them take the ball to the basket. Make this a game where they're shooting twos and not threes. Don't give them the open threes. Don't give Caravan the open three when he's there by himself for 10 minutes or Sonogo's standing out there by himself for 10 minutes as he was against Miami. Those threes they're making. You know that Hawkins is the best pure shooter in the country. You know that. But he still can be very streaky. The bottom line is they are a terrific depth shooting team, and they are great when they hit these bomb threes that are wide open. They have killed the other team with those baskets. San Diego State can't give them any of those baskets. They didn't give them to Alabama. They didn't give them to Creighton. They can't give them to UConn. And the way you watch this game tonight is, hey, from the first play, you are leery of UConn delivering the knockout. It's how you, San Diego State has to play this game from whistle to whistle, from possession from, from possession to possession, for four-minute interval to four-minute interval, and keep them in the game. Don't lose touch. They are going to try, and they've done it coming out of the box. They've done it going into the half. They've done it coming out of the half. They have delivered a knockout punch in every single game. They have not had a game that was not decided with five or six minutes left yet. This game can't be 12 points with five minutes left. If it is, UConn's cutting down the nets. They are not coming back 14 points on UConn. They came back 14 points on Florida Atlantic. They are not coming back 14 down. They can come down back eight down. They can come back five down in the last five minutes. They cannot come from 14 down against this team. This team's going to get too many easy looks and too many inside baskets to keep them in the game for you to be able to do that. They shut Florida Atlantic out in the last six minutes. This team can ratchet their D up and play it at an incredible level. They are a superb defensive game. This is a fascinating final. And I've seen a lot of these. And all of a sudden, you'll hear Jim saying this. I'm going to get to Jim in a second. But, hey, we got a ball game as he goes to break. And when you hear that tonight, then stay with it because – that means this team is here to stay. If they get a right hand in the first half, they can come back from that. They can't get a right hand with 10 minutes, 12 minutes left in the game because that's going to be too hard to come back from. At that point, they can't lose their distance. And that's why how they play, there'll be times, I'm sure, tonight when you're saying, Boy, where is San Diego State going for a basket? That's the way they play. That's who they are. 
That's when they need guys to make a hoop, get an offensive rebound, get a putback, get a turnover, get a steal, get a layup. That's what they need to have happen. Their offense before UConn sets up is critical. When they don't have those, take the clock, work the clock, shorten this game. Under 65 is the target. Don't double-team the bigs. Don't give up open threes. That's what San Diego State's been great at. They have to be great at it, even better at it tonight. They've beaten a team as good as UConn. Alabama has better personnel, or at least as good, maybe better personnel. They were a mixed-up team in the tournament. Miller was all messed up over this whole thing that was going on, and he should be. Somebody, somebody died. That whole thing was outrageous, what they tried to get done. At this, and they didn't get it done. And good for them for not getting it done. It ripped their team apart. It should rip their team apart. It was offensive when it looked like it wouldn't rip their team apart. And Miller, who's already off to the pros, and like I said, he's the closest thing to Durant I've seen. But he played like garbage in the tournament. And then he had a nightmare in the game against San Diego State. An absolute nightmare. They held them down. But when you realize that Miller went three for 19, this kid is a guy that these San Diego State Players, long after they're out of basketball, long after they remember this season and this run as a memory, whether they have a ring or they don't, they're going to be watching Miller on TV. But they're also going to say, hey, remember that night we held them to three for 19 from the floor, one for 10 from three? We held Alabama to three for 29 from three? Three for 27, excuse me, from three. That was the best team in the country. UConn has the second best talent in this country. Alabama was one, UConn was two. UConn was a team that we all knew could win a championship if they clicked. Remember, they didn't win the Big East championship. They lost a lot of games in the Big East. They got beat by St. John's. And it wasn't even close. St. John's turned them over 20 times. Him going away. Up there. Seton Hall beat him. San Diego State is a better version, a better, deeper, tougher version of Seton Hall. But they have bigs. They have multiple bigs, and they're men. They don't back down. This one thing is San Diego State's not backing down. Gonzaga, let's be honest, they quit. They were overmatched. They quit. Their game was embarrassing. San Diego State's not going to do that. These kids are too tough. They've been through too much. They've looked Alabama in the face. They've looked Creighton in the face. 
They looked at a 14-point deficit in the Final Four and came back from it. They're a resilient bunch. They remind me of the classic underdogs I've seen in this tournament in the past, in the championship game. When you think that the one game decided the championship, in this tournament, it's often wrong. I think we're going to get a good game tonight. UConn's the better team. If they play 10 times, UConn's going to win seven and a half or eight out of 10. They're the better team. But for one time at one night, San Diego State just has to go out and do and execute their game plan. They have the tools to make this a classic. Basketball games on a college level are about matchups. They're about style. This is a matchup that works for San Diego State if they execute. They've shown they can win this type of game. The Alabama game, which was not without its moments, is a perfect game plan. for what they have to do. Hold Alabama to 64 points, wear them out, come back from the haymaker, come back from that crazy run Alabama made to start the second half. They were outscoring them by, they outscored them by 15 points over about an eight-minute period in the second half. And Dutcher called the timeout and the, Courtside reporter eavesdropped, did a good job and said, hey, Dutcher just told his team, guys, you're doing nothing. You're not moving your legs. You're not getting back on defense. You're about to get blown out. You can't watch them play. Get back on defense. Stick to your basics and we'll chip it away. And that's exactly what they did. They came out and hit a shot. They came out and hit another shot. And the next thing you know, they were on a 12-0 run and they took over the game. That timeout will be one they remember for a long time because the game changed dramatically on that timeout. The other night he didn't call timeout because he didn't even put his players back in the game. He decided, I don't need it. I'm going to give the ball to Butler. That's who I want on the floor. This is what I want to do. Everyone else go to the glass, let him play downhill, and let's go. They played defense. They got the rebound. They didn't foul, which was brilliant. A lot of people would have extended the game there. No. Florida Atlantic made every free throw in this tournament they had to make. The worst thing that could have happened is if you put them on the line. He knew that. He had watched that. He had watched the game films. He saw them play in the final minutes. He saw them make every free throw against Kansas State. He said, I'm not putting them on the line. I'm not lengthening the game. I'm taking the game down to a defensive possession, a rebound, and then an offensive possession. And that's exactly what he did with the last 45 seconds of the game. They played defense for 20 seconds. They called timeout. They ran their play. The basket didn't go. They got the defensive rebound. They kicked it to Butler, and Butler came up and knocked down the jump shot. 
reminiscent of the shot Michael Jordan made to beat Georgetown. Same kind of in-between jumper, wing jumper, nothing but net. That's how you have a storybook season. You execute those plays at the ends of games. They had a wild game with Creighton. They beat the number one seed in the tournament in Alabama. And now they get a chance to see if they can do what no one else in this tournament's come close to doing, and that is stay with UConn for 40 minutes. Nobody has. UConn has been completely dominant. They've been ultra-impressive. But the things they're good at are things that San Diego State can combat if they stick to their game plan. The one fear I have tonight is can San Diego State get enough baskets to stay in the game for the first 30 minutes? That's my one. I don't worry about them playing good defense. I don't worry about them doing what they have to do on the defensive end of the floor. If UConn goes out there and makes 12 threes, out of 20 attempts, then I was dead wrong. I read the game completely wrong, and they couldn't, they couldn't stop them. But they have shut down Alabama, Creighton, some of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, held them to 11% shooting. They don't have to hold UConn to 11, but if they can put UConn in the 20s, in the high 20s, they will be in this game to the finish. UConn is going to try and blow them out with that three. That's what they've done, and they're going to shoot long threes. I'm telling you right now, they're, not, they're going to shoot them. There's no way UConn's not coming out and drilling these threes tonight. But you want to make them take them one step further. You want to make them take them with a hand in their face. You want to make them take it a little bit off balance. You don't want to give them these wide open where they can stop for a photo before they take the three like they did in the game against Miami where you let Sanago stand out there and make threes with a little push shot. Or you let Caravan stand there where 1 1,000, 2 1,000, 3 1,000, 4 1,000. I'll drain it now, boom, and knock it down a three as they went into the halftime. Don't let them have those shots. Don't double team inside. Play them straight up. Get up on the glass and then play your game. And I've watched San Diego State throughout this tournament. They are mentally tough and they are physically tough and they are well coached. We'll see which way it bounces at the end, but I think we're going to get a pretty close game tonight. I think we're going to get a close game. I think they can hang in and make this fun tonight. And that's all we're looking for. All we want is, you know, 63-62 with two minutes left, and then we'll see what happens. Somebody will get a, somebody will get a championship, then we'll have one shining moment. Somebody sent me a photo last night. There was a story. There's been a lot of stories about Jim this weekend, Jim Nance. Now, Jim and I don't talk about each other very much publicly. Once in a while on the radio, we might. But we've been very close for a very long time. He broke into the tournament with me. Going back to how he got the job, you might have read one of those stories about him winning the audition. I was in the audition tape that I, he had to interview me 
there were five finalists for the job of college football host. And there was a kid out of Salt Lake City who was going to go fifth. And each of them had to as, do a scoring segment, come out and do a flex second segment, and then interview me in the third segment. It came down to, I'll leave the other names out, but it came down to a decision to take Roy Firestone or Jim. Those were the two guys who finished 1-2. They took Jim and the rest is history. He and I started on the tournament together. Um, We would, in those days, go into the tournament on when he was hosting the uh, studio, which he did until Brent left the company. When Brent left the company, Jim, you know, became play-by-play guy and went on his way. And he's now done... I don't know how many it is, 32, 34 finals in a row. I don't even know. This is his last one, obviously. Billy Packer just passed away. He he won't be watching this tonight. Jim and Billy worked together for a very long time, and they're very close. Jim's mom passed away this past year. Um... Um, we went to North Carolina for the funeral. I think it was October, November. It was in the fall. It might have been September. Um, late September, early October, something like that. Um, so he and I used to spend a lot of time together during the tournament. And then they put me on the studio with him. So I wound up in the studio with him for a couple of years before he went out to do the games. Uh, and I stayed in the studio. I worked the tournament uh, on the air until 90. I think my last tournament was 95. Um, and I started there in 81. Uh, Jim came in 84. And obviously he's been the, you know, the face and the voice of CBS Sports. And he will remain that because he's going to do college football. I mean, he's going to do NFL and he's going to do uh, golf. And he has just given up the basketball, which he didn't do a lot of basketball the last couple of years, except he'd do one game in the regular season, believe it or not, and then do the tournament. But everybody wanted him on the tournament every year. So he continued to run that schedule. Now Ian will take over it on the tournament, which is great. So it kind of stays in the family. Um, so when I watch tonight, there'll be a, you know, it's like a, you know, the ending of an era. Uh, they posted a picture of me, Jim and Billy in the studio in 1991 in the story. And they sent me the photo, um, us doing the studio together. And Billy was in with us, whatever day it was, it might've been on a Saturday and Billy was probably doing a game somewhere in the East on Sunday. So he was in the studio with me and Jim on the Saturday. And we used to go in on Saturday and we'd start at noon and we wouldn't get up from that chair until like nine o'clock at night where we would just be doing, and we were in the submarket somewhere for like nine straight hours. We would be in that chair on Saturday and we loved it. We had a great time doing it, you know? Um, and uh, it brings back obviously a lot of memories. So that will, 
end tonight as uh, he has now been, believe it or not, with Raft and uh, and Grand Hill for I think like seven or eight years already. Believe it or not, how fast time goes. You know, Raft's had a run at the late part of his career. You know, Raft has been part of the tournament forever. But he was never the number one guy, and at least he finally got to be the number one guy in his career, which was good because everyone wanted to see that happen at some point. And he finally got a chance to do that. Grant Hill will be probably part of it with Iron for a long time, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jay Wright becomes part of that team and goes out and does the games with those guys if he wants to stay in broadcasting. I would think that's a logical thing. That'll happen. That's an attractive team if you had uh, Iron, Jay Wright, and Grant Hill. I think that's an attractive team when Raph finally decides to, you know, to go spend some time on the golf course, which he does anyway, but I mean spend permanent time on the golf course. Um, but for Jim tonight, I think this is, uh, it'll be an emotional night because he's in Houston and he's had those people pass in his life this year, his mom and Billy. So uh, I'm sure that'll be on his mind this evening as he finishes up this last game. He had hoped that Houston would be here. They know they had obviously a big season. They didn't make it. But uh, he's got an interesting final this evening. And, you know, UConn has had a remarkable run over this generation when you realize it. You know, Jim Calhoun will be watching this game tonight. And... He can look at what he built. You know, they showed Steve Fisher, and he went from Michigan, where he took over, to San Diego State, where he built this program. And uh, you saw him at the, on the sideline, you know, sitting behind the bench. Uh, and then you think of Jim Calhoun, too, who, in my mind, built this UConn program from nothing into just a dominant dominant force. And think about it. I mean, UConn has won a lot of championships. They've been in a lot of championship games. They've been really a a powerful, powerful program for a long time. And being back, you know, they kind of got caught with their football in the, and they never should have left. And they knew that. So they got back to where they belong in the Big East. And the Big East needs them. And now the Big East has really put the East back in Big East. Because, let's be honest, you had Marquette and you had Creighton and you had Xavier, who all did a really good job with their programs. And they were representing the Big East well, but when you think of the Big East, you think of the teams in the East. Yes, you missed Syracuse. And you missed UConn when they were gone. And now they're back. And they're symbolic of the Big East. And now you have the Big East with Patino at St. John's and Cooley at Georgetown. And you expect to see Villanova bounce back and at least be, not what they were in the right years, but at least be very dangerous. And there's a heck of an era coming for Big East basketball. And yes, there's an unsavory part of it with this portal stuff. And you, let's be honest, these guys are going to compete with that portal thing because that's what happens. If you don't, you're going to get left behind. But I'm just thinking about what the Big East looks like 
The Big East, which had a huge year financially in the Big East tournament, a huge year. And they have UConn as the flag bearer right now. They've had Villanova as the dominant flag bearer for a decade and what they meant to the league. And the Big East has never backed off. And let's be honest, you hear a lot of talk about the Big 12 and the SEC and this and that. The Big East is always there. It never isn't well represented in these things, whether it's Villanova or now UConn or what's going to come in the future. And a couple of the real, you know, foundation teams, St. John's and Georgetown, are looking for revivals now. And we'll see how quick that comes. With Cooley at Georgetown, with Pintino at St. John's. But it looks like it's going to be a fun time. And they have a very, very good chance, an exceptional chance, to crown another champion for the Big East this evening. It's always there. You know, people minimize it sometimes, and they minimize the rebuilt Big East, et cetera. But you know what? It keeps producing. It keeps producing Final Four teams, keeps producing champions. Got to give them credit. Enjoy the game. Masters coming up Wednesday, Thursday, so be looking for that. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.